Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. The Bible says this, Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Hallelujah. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus and we ask that the anointing that makes ministry effective would just permeate the atmosphere here today. May our hearts be attentive. May our ears be wide open. May our understanding be enlightened. May my, my lips and my tongue, Lord, be loosed to speak the word of God with fluency, accuracy, and anointing. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. In the book of Psalms, there was one passage where the Bible said, David was writing and he said that, Two has, one has put a thousand to flight and two has put ten thousand to flight. What do you think would happen if we all got together? If two or three are gathered together in His name and He's there in the midst of them, what would happen if about 150 got together in His name? What do you think would happen? Don't you think the presence of God would permeate the atmosphere? There's power in agreement. So I want to talk to you today about agreement about walking together. Amos chapter 3 and verse number 3 is a very famous scripture and it's often misunderstood. Here's what it says. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Now that's a question, isn't it? Can two walk together except they be agreed? Many has misinterpreted this passage of scripture to think that in order to walk with someone that you have to be in total agreement with everything about that person or every, And that's not what that passage means. What that passage means, if you really study it out, it means that you have to agree to walk together. Now there are some fundamentals of the faith that are necessary for us to be able to agree to walk together. I cannot help you promote a gospel who does not believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, does not believe in the shed blood of Jesus, does not believe in the resurrection of Him as God's Son, His ascension and His soon coming or His return. Now it's not possible for me to help you achieve something that is contrary to the fundamental faiths of that doctrine. But there are other things that are not quite as essential and if you're trying to win people to Jesus, then I can agree to walk with you. And there's a lot of people today, they, they think, well, the Bible says that how can two walk together unless they be agreed, and so we don't agree, so we can't walk together. That's not necessarily true. You have to ask yourself the question, if I believe this and you believe something else, is it something that is really going to stop us from having fellowship? 
And if it's something that will stop you from having fellowship, then obviously you can't walk together. But maybe we could join, join hands just a little bit with someone that may believe just a little bit different than we do, but they, have, but they still hold the fundamentals of the faith dear. In other words, they believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. They believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. They believe that He died on Calvary and shed His blood for our sins. That there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That He was put in a grave three days later, rose again. That He ascended up into heaven and one day soon He will come again. Now if we hold those faiths dear then we can work together to try to win people to the fundamentals of that faith. So in Amos chapter 3 and verse number 3, when the Bible said, can two walk together except they be agreed, the answer is obviously they have to agree to walk together. That's what the answer is. So we come into agreement to walk together. Now another way of saying this because I studied it in the Strong's also. Another way of saying this is from the Strong's Concordance and an and encapsulated form, it means this, to have an agreed upon appointment. So in other words, can two walk together unless, except they have an agreed upon appointment, unless they have an appointment to walk together towards something. So, I say this, can two walk together? even if they're not in total agreement on everything that they believe, I say that as long as the fundamentals are there, then sure they can as long as they have godly love for one another. I can walk with my Presbyterian brothers and try to help them win people to Jesus Christ even though they are not Pentecostal. What makes you think the church of God is the only ones going to heaven? What makes us think that the only people that are filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues is the only ones that's going to go to heaven? It's not biblical. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we can be saved. So we have to agree upon that. So we can walk together with people that do not exactly agree with everything that we are as long as we have love for one another. Now I don't have time to get into this, but there are over 100 scriptures in the Bible that have the term one another in them. Do you think that God wants us to work together? It frustrates me sometimes. Well, we can't work with you. The reason we can't work with you is because we just don't agree with, you know, that should have been apple pie and you brought peach. That's not biblical. Here's what the Bible said. Psalm, or John chapter 13 and verse number 35. Here's what the Bible says in the Amplified Version. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love for one another. Is that not what the Bible said? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you all go to a Pentecostal church. No. If you all go to a Baptist church. No. If you all go to the assemblies of God and not the church of God or the church of God and not the Pentecostal holiness. and No. The Bible said by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's very difficult 
to get someone to take you serious when you tell them God loves you and your actions towards your brother say something else. Don't shout me down while I'm teaching you good this morning. It's the truth. This is how people know that we love God. This is how people know that we are His disciples. A disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It's someone that learns the disciplines of Christian living. It's someone who takes the Word of God seriously. And by this will people know that you are my disciples, not by how much you know, not by how much you read your Bible, not by how much you pray in the marketplace, not by how much you fast. People will know that you are God's disciples when you demonstrate the love of God for one another. And that's not just talking about the lost. That's talking about your brothers and your sisters. Your brothers and your sisters. So, can two walk together unless they be agreed? If they're, if they're in love with one another, if they have the love of God in their heart, if they have the love of God in their life. So my encouragement to you today in this section of the message is simply this. Why don't we just start loving each other more? Why don't we love the people in the church down the street? Why don't we love the people in the church across town? Why don't we love the people in the church in the next county? You know, it's easier to love somebody a lot farther away sometimes than it is to love someone next door to you. But why don't we do that? Why don't we just start, instead of competing, start completing? Instead of, instead of having these feelings towards one, why don't we just start loving one another the way God would have us to love one another? I think that's one of God's words to us today. I think God wants us to pay attention to how we love our brothers and sisters. So if we're going to stay in agreement, we're going to have to stay in love. Okay? I mean, agreement is, is, is important. If we're going to stay in agreement, we're going to have to stay in love. Now, how do I stay in agreement? Well, I speak and I live and I conduct myself in agreement with the Word of God. I said I speak, I live, and I conduct myself in agreement with the Word of God. Now, we have to be on guard with our words, that our words are in agreement with God's Word. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 37. It says this, For by your words you will be justified and acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned and sentenced. Did it say by the words of someone else? Did it say by the opinions of someone else? No, it said by my words. By my words. Come on, somebody point right there. Point, point to you. Yeah, say by my words. I'm either justified or condemned. And that's what the Bible says here. So here's what we have to do. We have to come into agreement with the Word of God. What God's Word says about us. If the Word says it, then that settles it. Psalms 119 verse 89 says this, Thy Word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. Now, I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 through 25. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. It says this, For all flesh, and that means mankind, is like grass, and all its glory and honor like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower drops off. King James says, and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord, now listen to this, is in the Amplified. It says, divine instruction, the gospel, endures forever. And this word is the good news which was preached unto you. So God's divine instruction 
the gospel, the word of God, will last forever. I was talking to Susie Q last night. She's over there making candles. And I was talking to her. We were talking about my future because I'm going to be 50 this year. Not talking about her future, talking about dad's future. And I told her, I said, I, I am getting a little bit older. I'm comfortable with that. Just in case anyone wants to know, I, I'm not grieving over turning 50. Irma's planning a party. But I'm not grieving over turning 50. I'm, in fact, I'm kind of wondering what 60 would be like. So I, I'm not real worried. I'm, I'm just not real worried about turning 50. But I, but I told her, I said, I said, you know, I said, that all of this work that we're doing, all of the social media stuff we're getting ready to do through the webinars and through all of these kinds of things and all of the media ministry and all the stuff that we're trying to do, I told her, I said, honey, I said, when daddy is gone, I said, that word will still be as relevant and it will still be as powerful as when I'm alive. That's why it's important for us to invest in things that outlast us. Listen, the Word of God will stand forever. His divine instruction will stand forever. The hype of today may not last into tomorrow, but the divine instruction of the Word of God that you get today will stand the test of time. It'll be just as good today and tomorrow as it is 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now should the Lord delay His coming. So God's Word is forever settled in heaven. So when we participate in agreement with the vision of God for the mass proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world, then we are coming into an, to agreement with God and with each other to proclaim something that will outlast every single person in this room. I can buy a car. And as many miles as I put on a car, in three years, about 100,000 or more miles on a car. That car is going to fall apart one day. I don't have my old Bible here, but a person who has a Bible that's fallen apart is a person who has a life that's staying together. I said a person that has a Bible that's fallen apart is a person that has a life that is, is staying together. And so when we come into agreement, when we speak, when we live, when we conduct ourselves in agreement with the Word of God, then I want to encourage you today that we are coming into agreement with something that is going to outlast us. It's, it's already stood the test of time and it will continue standing the test of time. Now we're really going to get into the crux of this, living in agreement. Living in agreement. Now... In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19, the Bible says here, and I just read it to you in the very beginning, our text. Again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree, somebody say agree, agree. on earth is touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them. My Father which is in heaven, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there they are in the midst of them. So when we talk about living in agreement, that word agree there in Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 19 could also be translated to harmonize or to live in symphony with. 
to harmonize or to live in symphony with. So just kind of get this picture in your mind. Now, when I was a, a teenager in high school, uh, I was in uh, several different choirs in public school. In 10th grade, I transitioned over to a, a public school, and I was in public school for a, a little while. And then in 11th grade, I went to a private school and finished up 11th grade and did 12th grade in the same year so I could get on the road evangelizing. But in 10th grade, I was in a, a group called the Madrigals. How many ever heard of the Madrigals? Some of you have heard of the Madrigals. Some of you haven't. It's a, it was a barbershop quartet type group. How many know what a barbershop quartet is? The only thing is, is we would sing songs in Italian and thing, different things like that. But, and the reason we were singing in Italian was because they wanted us to pay more attention to pitch than the words. And so they would teach us different things like that. We worked and we worked and we worked. And, and I worked my way up and, and in that entire school, I became the top tenor in that entire, in that entire group. That didn't just happen overnight. We would get together and we would sit in a huddle and we would work on breathing at the same time. We would work on the projection of our voice at the same time. We would work on how deep we all breathed at the same time and just how much volume we allowed to come out. And we would work on our pitch and we would bend the note with our voices and all kinds of things. It took a whole lot of work. It took a whole lot of coming together. It took all of us reading the music at the same time. It, there, there was just, and, and then we were in a larger choir and the larger choir was still very detailed but not as de detailed as that is. So when I read this this past week when it says when it could be translated to harmonize or to make a symphony... I thought to myself, working towards agreement takes work just like a beautiful symphony takes work. Just like we had to work to be part of that madrigal thing. I mean, we had to dress up in tuxes and go sing in these crazy, real ritzy places and things like that. And we would stand there a certain way and hold ourselves a certain way. And we had to do that. And it took a whole lot of discipline and it took a whole lot of work. If we're going to be in agreement with the Word of God, if we're going to be in agreement with one another, listen to me very carefully. If we're going to walk in agreement, if we're going to live in agreement, then we're going to have to spend enough time with one another to understand what makes each other tick and to understand what makes each other get ticked off. we got to learn how to work together. And, you know, we're, we're getting ready to do a whole lot more on social media and all of this. Kind of, but we have a generation now that's coming up that doesn't even know how to socialize. They don't even know how to socialize. They don't know what fellowship is. Their idea of socializing is going out to eat and texting each other across the table. I know. I have millennials in my family. You just saw them. We've been in restaurants. And I finally one day picked up my phone and texted a couple of them and said, Would you please look up and talk to me? <laughs> Jeremiah just takes pictures of his food and lets everybody see what he's going to eat. I mean, that's true guy. <laughs> true guy. But we got to spend time with one another. We got, that's why the Bible said, Forsake not 
the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Now, you can go home and you can watch everything online. You can watch on social media. But you can't get this connection like that. You can be somewhat connected through social media and you can see the social media side of people, but you can't be connected like that. And so if we're going to work together and live in agreement with one another, then we're going to have to be around each other more. We're going to have to spend time with one another. And then when I began to think about harmonizing and unity, I thought, you know, an acute attention to detail is necessary in order to flow in unity. Look at your neighbor and say, the details matter. (laughs) Step by step, beat by beat, measure by measure, rest by rest, it's all necessary to create harmony. All necessary. Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, practice. Practice, 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 practice Practice. makes perfect. If at first you don't succeed, try again. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 10 in the Amplified says this, But I urge and entreat you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in perfect harmony and full agreement in what you say. In what? In what you say. So if I'm going to say what the Word of God says about my situation, then I'm going to ask you to come into agreement with me and also say what the Word of God says about my situation. And I will reciprocate that with you. When the enemy attacks you, you say what the Word of God says about your situation and instead of focusing on what it looks like, I'll come into agreement with you and I will use my words to say what the Word of God says about your situation. That's what it means by walking in unity, in harmony. I urge and entreat you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in perfect harmony and full agreement by what you say and that there be no dissensions or factions or divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in your communion, understanding, and in your opinions and judgments. These are in the Amplified, Steve. Hallelujah. In your opinions and judgments. That means I don't need to be saying one thing to you and be thinking something else. How can I walk in agreement with you if I'm saying one thing to your face and thinking something else in my heart and then when you turn and walk away, I tell someone something totally different? That's devilish. How can we be, how can we be in harmony? How can we work together? Come on, just fist pump your neighbor and say, no drama here. No drama here. No drama here. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 16 says this. Now we're talking about harmony. We're talking about being a symphony. We're talking about living in agreement. Romans 12 and 16 says this. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. And in the parentheses it says snobbish, high-minded, or exclusive. Don't get mad at me. I'm reading you the Bible. This is what the Bible says. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, 
snobbish, high-minded, or exclusive, but listen to this, readily adjust yourself to people and things and give yourselves to humble tasks. You know what? There might be a time in my life when I need to adjust myself to something that Dr. John says. in order to stay in harmony. And when I do it, I don't need to be like, well, I'm going to go ahead and help you, you know, push this through your way, but you need to understand, I just don't agree with that. That's snobbish. That's high-minded. That's not going to work. Now, sometimes we need to adjust ourselves because, you know what, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not always right. In fact, let's do this little humility exercise right here. What are you all laughing at? You know what's coming, don't you? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not always right. <laughs> and somebody thought, no, you're not. I rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus. No, you're not always right. I'm not always right. It is totally impossible for every single one of us, for any of us, to ever be right 100% of the time. There's one perfect person that walked, and that's Jesus. We're not, we're not always right. And so the Bible says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, snobbish, high-minded, exclusive, but readily adjust yourself to people and things and give yourselves to humble tasks. And then the next phrase says this, Never underestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. So in other words, don't walk in pride, don't walk in arrogance. The Bible said pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride is, somebody asked me this past week, they said, what's the difference between being pride and being haughty? Because the Bible said pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Well, pride is just basically, well, bless God, I just think I'm all that. That's pride, okay? A haughty spirit says, well, I think I'm all that and I don't care who, think, who, who likes it and who don't. That's a haughty spirit. A haughty spirit is this. Well, people are just going to accept me the way that I am and if they don't, they don't. They just go on down the road about themselves. I don't care. That's a haughty spirit, honey. That's a haughty spirit. It matters what people think about you. Well, no, it doesn't. I rebuke that haughty spirit right now in the name of Jesus. It does matter what people think about you because you are a representative of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are telling people that you are a Christian. You are telling people that God lives inside of you. You are telling people that Jesus is the Lord of your life and you walk around with that old haughty, nasty spirit and they're going to think that's the way God is. That's not the way that God is. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. He's not come to condemn people. He's come to save people. He's come to love people. So let go of that stuff. Don't be haughty. Never underestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3 says this. We're talking, still talking about living in harmony, how that living in harmony takes effort. However, brethren, I could not talk to you as to spiritual men, but only as to non-spiritual men of the flesh, in whom the carnal nature predominates. As to infants, mere infants in the new life, in Christ, 
that are even unable to talk yet. He said to the Corinthian church, He said, I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for you were not strong enough to be ready for it, but even yet you are not strong enough to be ready for it. And then verse number 3, here's what He said. For you are still unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh under the control of ordinary impulses, for as long as there is envy, jealousy, wrangling and factions among you, you are not unspiritual and of the flesh, behaving yourselves after a human standard and like mere unchanged men. Wow, that's the Bible. I'm talking about living in harmony. If we're going to live in harmony with one another, then we got to grow up. If we're going to live in harmony with one another, we've got to quit letting our little feelings get hurt about everything that, that doesn't necessarily go our way. You know, if you, want, if, if, you want, if you want the preaching, you know, where they're going to tickle your ears and make you feel all fuzzy and stuff like that, you might be in the wrong place this morning. I love you so much that I want to teach you what the Bible says. I want you to live in harmony with one another. And in order to live in harmony with one another and to learn how to live in harmony with one another, then we need to examine things that, call, that cause disunity and disharmony, right? And here's what the Bible says. The Bible said envy, jealousy, wrangling, the Bible said are unspiritual and they're of the flesh. Paul said, I wanted to come to you, Corinthian church. I wanted to come to you and talk to you as spiritual men. But I had to talk to you as infants and not even as infants that could take meat. I had to talk to you as infants that could only take milk. Why? Because they were so full of themselves that all they could do was fight with one another instead of walk together and be agreed. So here's my little message for this part of the message today, okay? If you're hanging around people that gossip, that criticize, that backbite, that find fault, and then you leave that place of, quote, fellowship, unquote, and you go out there and you start binding the enemy and try to live in the victory and you don't understand why you don't have victory and you don't understand why God's power isn't flowing when you pray and you can't feel God anymore, well, it might be because you're not in harmony with the Word. It might be because you're not in harmony with your brothers and sisters. Did you know that the Bible said that my prayers can't even reach heaven accurately if I'm fighting with my wife? I told her to shape up. We need our prayers to get through. She, she, <laughs> tell, you a little, tell you a little story here. We were in our first church. Donna and I were in a war. Whoa. We were in our first five years of marriage. Nikki and Susie were little tiny things because uh, they, they came about a year and a half after we got married. And I took a little church about six hours away from, from Kentucky, <laughs> Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And man, we just could not get along. I mean, we tried and we, I tried. I tried. <laughs> we could not get along. We could not get along. And so one day we had, I mean, the Lord had blessed to a certain degree anyway. And uh, we had sold the little parsonage that was there and we were meeting in a storefront and we were able to buy uh, a nice church and that church, they're still in that building today and there was a parsonage with it. And so we were able to move into that parsonage. So we had progressed to that point. We just hit this snag in our 
in, in our relationship in our first five years. And, um, man, I'm telling you, I was like, oh, I rebuke you, woman, in the name of Woman, come out of that devil. I mean, just, oh, I mean, I was like. So finally, we were trying to get an answer for something. I can't remember what it was. And I, I looked at Donna, and I told her, I said, well, you pack and I'll go pray, bless God. I took off, stomped over, went into my office, pulled my chair around, kneeled down, and said, God. And he said, what are you doing? I said, oh, God, I'm coming to you right now. And then he said, stop that mess with me. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I heard every word you said to your wife. He said, you get up off your knees and you go back over there and you apologize to her and you make things right. I said, God, it was her fault. Her fault. It wasn't mine. It was her fault. God said, you get up and you go make things right. So I walked in there, and I had to do this a whole lot in our first church. And I walked in there and said, I'm sorry about the fight, but you know you were wrong. No, that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. And you know, I, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why he let her off the hook so much in the first five years. I mean... But the Lord taught me that I have to be in harmony if, and, and our family has to be in harmony. Our family, if we're going to work for God and achieve what God wants us to do, our family has to be in harmony. And if there's no harmony there, then all kinds of chaos can erupt. Your family needs to be in harmony. If, I'm talking about your immediate family, the one that, that's living at home with you. And so I had to learn. I had to learn that I needed to be in harmony. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 18 through 19 says this. First of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. So the Apostle Paul was telling the Corinthian church, he said, you come together in the church, there's divisions among you. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. And the NIV says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Who wants the God of love and peace to be in your life? Come on. I do too. I do too. I want Him to be in my life. Well, if I'm going to do that, then, then that means I have to strive for full restoration. Amen. That means I have to put effort into it. I have to work towards it. Like walking back from the office over to the parsonage and telling my wife that I was sorry for the way that I treated her. I had to do that. The Lord made me do that. And don't you think that every step wasn't striving. I'm like, Lord, I just want to go pray. Go, go. I, I want to, Lord, no, no. You know, and the, it was strive. You have to strive. That means you have to work for full restoration. If you are going to live in harmony, if you're going to live in harmony, if you're going to experience the blessing of God upon your life, then you're going to have to strive for restoration. And you're going to need to encourage one another. To encourage one another. Pick up the phone and encourage someone. It doesn't take very long to say, hey, I'm just checking on you. Are you okay? So encourage one another. And then the Bible said to be of one mind, live in peace, and obviously the God of love and peace will be with you. 
Philippians chapter 1, 27 through 28, and then I have one more passage here, says this, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Look at that. One mind, standing fast in one spirit, striving, somebody shout, together. Together. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. Bottom line, living in harmony is going to take some effort. It's going to take some work. And you know, anything worth having is worth fighting for. So the enemy won't think twice about fighting you to try to create chaos in your life. Why don't we put him under our feet and fight for harmony? Fight to work together as symphony. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number four, Jesus. TV. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.